Howdy, y'all, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Grind. I'm your host, John Spencer, so grab a mug of your favorite brew and get ready to brew your brain as we give a rundown on today's dates and some interesting historical facts, and to sharpen your wit as I toss out some random musing and facts just to get your brain gears turning, and hopefully a time to enrich your faith as we talk about our walk with Jesus. Hey, and this week, once again, co-hosting with me on the brew and sharpen parts of the Daily Grind, my sister, Carla Cockrum. Hello, Daily Grind. So happy to be here. Got a cup of coffee and let's go. All right, let's get this show on the road. And now it's that time on the Daily Grind to Brew Your Brain. It is Tuesday, September 12th. And on September 12th in 1940, cave paintings were discovered in Lascaux, France. Those are some some of the oldest paintings of humans. Okay. On this date in 1954, Lassie premiered on CBS. Oh, my goodness. They don't make them like that anymore. They do not. And on this date in 1962, President Kennedy delivered his We Choose to Go to the Moon. Ah, and then we did. Yeah, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Now, interesting, do you know where he gave that speech? I do not. Rice University in Houston, Ah, Texas. How about that? How about that? And on this date in 1984... Dwight Gooden set the Major League Baseball record for strikeouts in a season by a rookie with 276. (laughs) How about that? I know. Yeah. The previous uh, record was held by Herb Score with 246, and that was set in 1954. So 30-year record. Yeah, Yeah. broken. September 12th is also Chocolate Milkshake Day. Oh, delicious. Yes. All in on that. (laughs) <laughs> it's day of encouragement. Oh, that's a good day. Yeah. And it's video games day. <laughs> okay. That again is one of those that I want to go. I'm pretty sure for a lot of the population. Uh, that's every day. <laughs> that's every day. And now it's that time on the daily grind to sharpen your wit. Have you noticed that when you look at litter, you don't see a lot of healthy food wrappers on the right? road. That's yeah. true. It's usually junk. Hmm. Hmm. The first mail away exclusive figure to be introduced by Hasbro was the Kellogg's Han Solo in Stormtrooper Disguise. (laughs) And it first featured in the Kellogg's Fruit Loop cereal. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Bruce, the vegetarian shark in Finding Nemo. (laughs) Yes. If you got your chum chum. So oh, no. he was named after the animatronic shark used while filming Jaws, who they ah. named Bruce. All right. There you but go. not a vegetarian. But not a vegetarian. <laughs> a, a group of webmasters is called a linkage. 
again, you continue to amaze me. (laughs) This just blew me away. And looking for a random thing. Ernest Vincent Wright wrote the novel Gadsby. Oh. It contains over 50,000 words. Okay. None of them with the letter E. No. Yes. Oh, 50,000 words. The none. Uh, mm, none with none, the letter E. You check it out. E. Okay. Gotta, yeah. Gotta go check it out. All, All right. right. I have now I can't quite that may be the worst book ever written because <laughs> there's times where you want to go, wow, you should have used the word love or they or something. <laughs> when you stop and think about it, today is the tomorrow that you were thinking about yesterday. Ah, oh, it is. Oh. Um, the Hulk was originally going to be gray. But Marvel changed him to green what? because they had a problem with the ink in their presses. Well, I think it was a good decision. I do too. I can't. I go, ooh, a gray Hulk? No. No. Yeah. Green, should be green. green. Yes. Happy accident. Sometimes yes. the unintended things are some of the best. Mm-hmm. They work out better. You know, if you were to really go back and re-examine the movie Die Hard from the mm-hmm. bad guy's perspective... <laughs> It's basically Ocean Eleven gone really wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, might have to rewatch it. <laughs> so, you know, Marcy asked me the other day to take all of her watches that she never wears and link them together to make a belt. Uh-huh. I have to tell you, that was a waste of time. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Carla, Carla, do you know why Budapest has so many more restaurants than any other European capital city. No. Why? I, I think it's because they don't want you to leave hungry. I guess so. <laughs> well, it is a beautiful city. Oh, stay and eat. Yeah. Okay, yes. And, uh, oh. And, oh, and by the way, it's actually two cities. It's the city what? of Buddha and the city of Pest. No. That are on opposite sides of the river that we just have Called made Budapest. one city. Yeah, okay. but it's Budapest. That's like uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. The Twin Cities. Okay. The Twin Cities. The original <laughs> Twin Cities. Okay. And now it's that time on the Daily Grind to enrich your faith. Many folks tend to think of Jesus as this calm and gentle guy, often carrying around a lamb, always speaking softly. But you know what? Jesus had his moments of anger too. And one of the most famous instances is when he flipped tables in the temple. And this story isn't just ancient history. It has relevance for us today. However, it's been misused by some to justify bad behavior. Just scroll through a Facebook comment section and you will find Christians using this story to tear into someone. Sometimes, folks use Jesus flipping tables as an an excuse not to apologize for their own outburst. But let's get one thing straight. That's not what this story is about. And it's not what Jesus did. When Jesus flipped those tables, he wasn't losing his cool. 
he was completely in control. And there's a lesson here for us today. So let's look at the meaning of Mark 11, 15 through 18, and Matthew 21, 12 through 13. And let's see what we can learn. What led to Jesus flipping tables in the temple? Well, there are actually two instances of Jesus cleansing the temple. And the first one is found in John 2, 13 through 25. And then here in Mark 11, Jesus takes a whip made of ropes and drives out the money changers. In this second instance, Jesus goes all out and flips the tables. Now, it might sound less intense, but these were no ordinary tables. They were big and required some serious force. But before we look deeper into the story, let's look at what happened right before Jesus went table flipping. In Matthew 21, 1-11, we witness Jesus' grand entrance into Jerusalem. People are waving palm branches. They're shouting Hosanna. It is like a royal procession, similar to what a victorious king would experience. Essentially, the people are proclaiming Jesus as their king. And then right after this welcoming parade, Jesus heads straight for the temple. Now, we usually think of the temple as a place of worship, and it was. But it was also a social hub and a business center. And as Jesus enters the gate leading to the outer temple court, it's chaos. Pigeons, sheep, oxen are all up for sale for sacrifices. Most people only have Roman currency, so they need to exchange it for a kosher shekel required in the temple. Money changers are everywhere, taking a little extra for themselves during the exchange. The whole scene is a mess, and it in infuriates Jesus. The first time he made a whip and he kicked them out. But this time he goes a step further and he starts flipping tables, driving out anyone involved in buying and selling. What's intriguing is who he seems to target. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Doves were sold to those who couldn't afford sheep and oxen. It was a way to ensure that everyone, regardless of their financial situation, could worship. But the money changers were exploiting the poor by charging extra for currency exchange, forcing them to give more than was necessary. And Jesus went straight for those who were oppressing the poor. He seemed most upset that the religious leaders were making it harder for the less fortunate to worship. Mark Moore, in his book, The Chronological Life of Christ, describes Jesus flipping tables like this. Quote, It's quite a scene. Business people scrambling on their hands and knees to collect their coins scattered on the pavement, sheep, oxen, goats, pigeons running wild, scared by all the commotion, people shoving and pushing to get out of the way, the Sadducees scowling from the sidelines, furious that Jesus interfered with their financial gain. But there's not much they can do about it. The public supports Jesus, especially after the impressive parade the day before, and despises the blatant corruption of the temple, end quote. So why did Jesus flip tables? We've got the story of Jesus flipping tables down. Let's shift gears a little bit. Look at why he did it. I think there's three reasons. One, the temple was meant to be inclusive. 
In Mark eleven seventeen, Jesus explains his actions, saying, Isn't it written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? Here, Jesus is referring to Isaiah 56, 7, a passage where Isaiah envisioned the temple as a place of prayer for all people. Jesus flipped tables because the temple had turned into a profit-driven business that made it difficult for people to connect with God. The temple leaders cared more about money and power than creating an open and inclusive space for all people. Second, exploitation of the poor. Jesus had a soft spot for the marginalized, and the temple system was particularly harsh on the poor. They were being taken advantage of when they were already struggling financially. They came to worship God, but they were being treated unfairly. Jesus flipped tables because he was furious that the poor were being exploited. He wanted the temple to be a place where everyone, regardless of their economic status, could worship and pray. And third, misplaced priorities in pursuit of control and power. Another reason Jesus went table flipping was because the temple leaders lost sight of their true purpose. They thought their sins were no big deal because they controlled the temple and felt secure. Jesus repeatedly tried to show them that despite their outward appearance, they were sinful on the inside, but they refused to acknowledge it. Instead of seeking forgiveness, they clung to power by any means necessary. When Jesus flipped those tables, he was telling them that their priorities were all wrong. Yet they still didn't listen and even plotted to have him killed. Their thirst for power outweighed their desire for righteousness. So what does Jesus flipping tables mean for us today? Jesus flipped tables because he wanted to welcome all people and all nations into his family, while the religious leaders only cared about their own group. Interestingly, there's no record in the Bible of Jesus getting angry at a Gentile. His frustration was directed at the religious folks who refused to embrace others. Even today, there are those who want to exclude certain people and make it harder for them to know Jesus. Legalism is still alive and kicking. I believe Jesus would be flipping tables in a lot of churches today. Some followers of Jesus prioritize fame and profit over Jesus himself. While it might not look exactly like the temple scene, we share some similarities with the religious leaders from Jesus' time. It's easy to point fingers at others as the problem, but I encourage you to look in the mirror. I've seen this tendency in myself, focusing on the wrong things, wanting church to be comfortable rather than open to all. If you take a good look, you might find it in yourself too. When Jesus flipped tables, it was to show the religious leaders that their focus was off. I think that we have the same tendency in our lives today. So take a look in the mirror. You can't control what others are doing, but you can control yourself. You can prioritize the right things. You can reach out to those around you and make sure that you represent Jesus well. Thanks for joining me on another episode of The Daily Grind. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Hey, take a minute. Give me some feedback. Drop a note. Drop a comment. My email link is there in the show notes. You can also respond to the question in the show notes if you want to. 
Mondays moving forward, if you want to get a copy of Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, I think we'll be looking at some of those disciplines every Monday. I hope you have a fantastic Tuesday, and I hope that throughout your day, you have opportunities to be acutely aware of Jesus's real presence with you. And it's in his name, I just wish grace and peace upon you.